Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. The All-Star Game is now over. Team LeBron wins. Coach Mont Williams has won 49 games this season if you include the All-Star Game. Chris Paul, too. 49 games played. But, Matthew, uh, I have a feeling we're not going to be talking a lot about Chris Paul winning uh, some games for the next six to eight (laughs) weeks, it sounds like, man. Yeah, we're not. It's a different agenda right now for the Suns going to the second half of the season. Um, a little disappointing before the all-star game started, you know, I was pumped up cause Saturday night sucked. Um, yes. and then, you know, usually the games are good. Um, especially when they have to meet the points of the 24 points after the third quarter, mm-hmm. you know, it's an intense game. So I'm excited. I'm ready for that. And then the news breaks about Chris Paul and he still comes out there to play a little bit. So, you know, the most Chris Paul thing ever to do, right. Is to be injured and still play in an all-star game. <laughs> well, And then he's out there with his left hand. Cause he only got one good wing. He's out there with his left hand swiping yeah. at the ball. I'm like, come on, man. Like get out of the game. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, come on, Chris Paul. I know, dude. I was actually, I was watching the Kanye West doc and I was like, the most. Is that any Kanye, good? It's actually, I like it. I have okay. actually, I was hesitant, but it's all real. It's all behind the scenes footage, stuff that I love. You know, it's like basically the Michael Jordan doc, right? Just behind the scenes footage about Kanye West. But the most Kanye West thing ever to do is to record himself before he's even famous about the process of him being famous. That is the most thing. That was the most uh, kind of thing to do. And this is the most Chris Paul thing to do is to play tonight and make everybody like, Oh, like, are you really actually going to go tonight? You couldn't just let Mikhail Bridges or someone else slide in there, you know, but he's there for the 50th uh, or the 75th anniversary thing. So that was good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot to absorb obviously. And and we're going to break down not only clearly the Chris Paul injury and how, we're absorbing that information and processing it right along with you, Jamsters. I mean, if anybody knows us, we are probably two of the most diehard Phoenix Suns fans there are. Uh, we call them like we see them. When something's bullshit, it's bullshit. When something's not, it's not. Uh, but obviously, you know, this is the All-Star Game post-game pod. So we're going to talk about the All-Star Game, uh, All-Star Saturday night, everything holistically, and then we'll you know, continue those conversations. So we thank anybody who's decided to join us tonight following the All-Star Game. If you're watching along live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, thank you. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Hit that thumbs up button down below. Uh, rate and review if you're listening to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. At Matthew Lissie. And you can follow the show at Suns Jam. Matthew, do you have anything to pop open this evening? I do. Fantastic. I let, yeah. I literally I have one in another room, and I just... Forgot to bring it in here with me. Do you so want to grab it to, or no? Too late. Getting, too okay. late. Too late. So right. pop them if you got them, Suns fans. And let's talk about this All-Star game and the CP3 news. The NBA All-Star Game is always a fun celebration of the league itself. 
it's one of my favorite events, and it always has been. And for those who have listened to the podcast throughout the history of our pod, I've referenced it. You know, it's beautiful to see an encapsulation in time of the best players in the league actually playing. You know, Major League Baseball does an okay job of this, but I think at the end of the day, you're watching a baseball game, so it's not really fun. You know, a basketball game is fun and it's exciting. The NBA probably does the best job of celebrating their history. And obviously, with this being the 75th anniversary, we were treated to an extra long halftime show, Matthew, uh, showcasing all 75 players on the top 75 list of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good, though. I mean, I liked the extra long halftime show. I thought it was pretty, it was pretty insane to see all those guys come out. And then, of course, MJ comes out out of nowhere. Uh, the goat. It's like, it's like a Royal Rumble waiting for that last guy to come in. And you don't know who it is. And all of a sudden, MJ's there. Because I don't think anybody knew that he was there. So that was pretty awesome. Um, but did they? It, did anyone give the players a heads up that Macy Gray would be singing the national anthem? Because that's, I mean, bless her heart, right? For her to come out and do that, the players that they don't expect it, you know how we think about Macy Gray. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of makes sense, right? Like how they would probably get a little bit giggly when she's out there doing it because you wouldn't expect her to be singing it. So I, hopefully they gave them a heads up because I know LeBron had a hard time holding back his laughter for that. So yeah, and that you was know, a good way to start it, right? I mean, Macy, Macy Gray from Ohio, so it makes sense. But yeah, she's not, you yeah. know, your Whitney Houston, your Mariah Carey, your uh, uh, Selena Gomez. No, not Selena Gomez. She's not Celine any Dion. good. Celine Dion, no, who's the Ariana Grande or Christine Aguilera? Like these, these these females who just belt out the national anthem, like that ain't Macy Gray. So, no, that's that's a good point there. Uh, I'm sure they warned them behalf uh, uh, before the game started, but you're right. You know, Michael Jordan, that was just you knew he was gonna be the last player announced. You knew it in my head as they were going through it, they did the forwards, they did the centers, and they ended on the guards. And I'm like, okay, when when they end on the guards, they're gonna end with one of two players, and that's gonna be. Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. It would make sense to do Michael Jordan. But I saw a tweet earlier in the day that he was in like Daytona uh, with his race team. He, he he has a race team down there in Daytona. So they were racing. So I didn't think that we'd see him. Uh, and also there's been a bunch of festivities around the all-star game as there always is. And especially with this being the 75th anniversary, there's a lot of photo ops, a lot of conversations going on, a lot of different, you know, interviews occurring. And, and MJ wasn't in any of those. So I was like, you know what? He's probably not going to be uh, joining us. And then the goat walks out and, you know, again, I, I'm a huge Jordan fan. And it was great to see that moment, but, uh, uh, but let's just start, let's start with all-star Saturday night. Then we can talk a little bit about the All-Star game and what we saw. And then obviously the CP3 news, that'll probably uh, consume you know the back mm-hmm. half of this podcast. But let's talk about All-Star Saturday night. Uh, Matthew, did you watch it? And where were you? And what were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I did watch it. I watched some of it. Um, the only thing is, like, you don't really have a whole lot of expectations for this thing anymore just because it's been so negative the past three years. So going into it, I'm like, it, it's probably not going to be a good a good show. And especially when they keep changing the rules. There's so many rules that are changed, especially the uh, the skills challenge where things are moving around where they have to throw the ball and they don't know yeah, where yeah. to go. Yeah, they're the like, where do I go? Middle. Yeah, yeah. And it's like they explain it to him, I feel like, before they start. So the product isn't good, of course. You have some of the names out there, like the Antetokounmpo and his brothers. That was fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was good to see the Cavaliers players and how they won that one because, of course, it's their hometown. So it's good to have them kind of win it for Cleveland. But it's just it was kind of boring. And, and of course, I saw a lot on Twitter where, you know, why do you want to end it with end the whole night with the dunk contest anymore? I think. They want to make. Sh- they want to kind of have it come back. They want it to be 
the main event. And I think the only way to do that, and I was listening to No Dunks, and they were talking about, I think it was Trey Kirby, he was talking about they should just have the big namers in there with like smaller dunks. Like stop being so crazy because these dunks, they can't get them to go down, right? Yeah. It's one thing to do it in practice, but then when you're out on the show doing it during the show, it's it's very difficult. It's just like me, I can practice, you know, doing a podcast for however long, but then actually coming live, it's a different experience. You know what I mean? It's just that it's that kind of way. But so I just I would like to see the bigger names in there. I don't feel like it should tarnish their legacy in any way if they were to come in there and just, you know, if they get eights or nines, who cares? You know, it'd be more fun to have the bigger names out there. That's what they need. Otherwise, yeah, end it with the three-point contest. But all in all, like, it's not that great to even sit there and watch it the whole night just because, you know, especially as a Suns fan, when Cameron Johnson's not that out there, I know, that right? sucked. But I think just at the end of the night, you're just like, that was the worst. And I feel bad for the players in the dunk contest because they were getting trashed really hard. And I'm like, it's not, you know, if they get, uh, if they get asked to come, they're going to want to come out there and of course perform, right? It's a once in a lifetime thing, but it's a lot of pressure, man. And if they fail, then, you know, Twitter's on their ass and everybody's like, this is the worst. Shaq's over there rolling his eyes. I think (laughs) Kareem Abdul-Javar left early. So that sucks too. (laughs) So it just, it was a kind of a pathetic night, but then I think tonight kind of just, it made up for it in a way. Yeah, and I think the All-Star Game always does, especially with the new format. Uh, as Ted Lubin says in the chat, he's like, the new format has made the game worth watching, and it is. You know that you're going to get three quarters of discombobulation, highlight dunks, uh, in-game dunks that are better than the dunk constant dunk contest themselves dunks, and then in that last quarter, the defense really shows up. So I, I too, watched All-Star Saturday night. The, the skills competition is always kind of the warm-up. You know, it's nothing too crazy. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers win that. I thought that was great. Uh, the three point contest that that's where I was frustrated. And I know I tweeted something out that, uh, got a lot of attention where I was just like, it's, it's fucking ridiculous that the best team in the NBA doesn't have any representation on this night at all. I mean, that's what this night is. It's a celebration of the league and not to see Cameron Johnson out there, even have, uh, just have him in the contest. Uh, is a crime and you know kudos to Carl Anthony Towns for winning that I thought that was kind of a fun moment but the three-point contest is more appealing than the dunk contest and it's been that way for a few years I really feel like the moment that Aaron Gordon got robbed when he was going against Zach Levine and he did the one where he jumped up and he put it underneath himself yeah like I mean that was one of the greatest uh dunks I've ever seen and ever since then it's too theatrical I mean, the fact that Cole Anthony was the first dunker and he took like 10 minutes to put on fucking Timberlands just to go miss the dunk seven times, you know, with his dad out there holding the ball. It's just like very anticlimactic. And you saw that over and over again, where it's just like they're trying too hard on the theatric side. They're not worried about the execution. And, you know, the reason I bring that up is I'm I'm watching the game with Shannon and Ashley, you know, my uh, wife and stepdaughter. And, you know, we're watching the dunk contest and it's super fun. You know, my Stepped out of Ashley's like, I need to, I need to start watching basketball. These guys, the are, guys are hot. Yeah. <laughs> These guys are cute. <laughs> you know, but, and, and my wife asks a very simple, uh, but poignant question. She's like, are, are these like the best dunkers in the league? It's like, no, it's like, well, well, <laughs> not even close, not even close. Like, so why are they out there? It's like, well, because they're young guys who, you know, they're blessed to do the opportunity, but to, to the point that you just made, Matthew, like they would be eviscerated if they went out there and missed a dunk, if like if LeBron missed a dunk, he would get yeah. eviscerated on Twitter. And like, he's never going to subject himself to that. So 
obviously the the dunk contest wins in horrible fashion and the fun part was i found myself showing my wife and stepdaughter old nba dunk contests to show them what the dunk contest used to yes. look like i brought i brought them i'm like i'm like here's michael jordan in three different dunk contests you know because they're they're talking about the dunks that they're trying she's like this is boring they, they keep missing i'm like watch this one michael jordan from the free throw line she's like what from the free throw line i'm like oh shit this is gonna be fun so i go through I, the hocus pocus dunk with cedric sabalas who's mm-hmm. literally you know we have that yeah. intro and el- outro of every one of our podcasts on youtube you know and then and then i culminated and finished showing off the dunk contest with uh vince carter in 2000 i mean that was in my opinion the best holistic dunk contest was uh the way that vince carter executed and the thing that i was showing them in all of those i go listen these weren't a tough, a ton of unbelievably hard dunks to execute. They were just really cool looking and they slammed him down with authority. You know, like Obi Toppin had one where it's like he barely laid it in. It's like, like slam that shit down. Like what made Jordan look so great was, wasn't the fact that he did, you know, like this 360, uh, you know, behind the back, then between the legs and then jammed it. You know, Vince Carter was pretty much like that, but it was the authority in which he did it and the, and, and the flair and, and, you know, the flying motion of Air Jordan. So, the dunk contest has gotten out of control to the point where they're trying too hard to do all of these, you know, silly things. And, and, you know, I'm going to, you know, pay tribute to this and I'm going to have, I'm going to have Dr. J sign the ball before I go dunk. It. It's like, just go up there and throw down a 360, man. It looks fucking cool. And if you do it and, and you slam it down and one try, it looks dope, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, oh, really quick, Sonia, this is a shirt I'm wearing. Right there, the only, she wanted. She asked like what I was that, wearing. So that, that's that's a dope. Shirt. I don't want to forget. Um, so I was thinking too with the dunk contest. It's basically like you're running out of ideas. Um, it's it you can compare it to like movies, really, or TV shows. Like there's nothing out there really that's any different. No one can really come up with anything that would just be like, oh wow, I didn't see that coming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nothing original. So exactly. I kind of compare it to that. It's kind of like you know, movies are kind of. They're going, they're dwindling down to nothing where I don't feel like people are really excited unless like the new Batman comes out. But then again, it's just a reused idea. So exactly. a, lot, a lot of these dunks up there are basically, you know, it's the same thing. Even if they throw it down with authority, like between the legs and stuff, I just feel like it's the same shit. And if they, if they want to correct this, they need to be like, hey, LeBron, here's a million bucks to a charity or something. Yes. You know, if you win this, if you win this, you can donate to your charity. That's a good reason to do it because no one remembers. Like, I didn't even know Michael Jordan was in it three times. I didn't even know. I couldn't tell you who was in it really the past five or six years. Like, people don't really remember the dunk contest too much unless they go through the montage before the actual dunk dunk contest starts, like they did last night. Yeah. Where they go through the replays and all of that. You're like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy was in it. Like, no one goes through their day to day business thinking about the dunk contest. It's just a one night thing, and you just have fun with it, dude, and donate yes. to your charities. Yes, you don't need like if LeBron does go out into the dunk contest and loses. Now, granted, it's LeBron and it's this stage in his career. Like people might remember that, but they won't remember that. But if he goes out and he wins it, like everybody will for he'll forever be mortalized with that. And that yeah. was Michael Jordan. And again, from a creativity standpoint, like Jordan did the same, like he did two or or three of the same dunks in like every contest he was in. They were just so awesome that you know you he got high scores for him. So that. They always say, you know, and and you know this. It's one of my my the things that drive me crazy. Is like if there's one good dunk in the contest, and we didn't see one good dunk in the contest line, last night. But anytime there's one good dunk on the contest, you got Reggie Miller being like, 
the dunk contest is back. You know, and they're always like the dunk contest. You know, it's just like the, the, the only way to bring the dunk yeah. contest back, in my opinion, is you, you put Ja Morant in it. You throw LeBron in it, you know, with his power dunks. You know, get Giannis in there. Like you put the big name guys in there and you just let them go out there. And again, they don't have to do these front flips fucking, you know, off the side of the backboard. We've seen all the creative shit there is. So let's just see some savage dunks and and, and not 30 minutes of misses because it just takes away from that whole night. And again, uh, I, I'm, I know that we're beating a dead horse here because everybody's been saying it. But I mean, that was probably the worst dunk contest I've ever seen. It was the worst. And maybe just replace them with the mascots for each team. You know, do, you know, one dunk per mascot and go down the you know to the final 15 or whatever i don't know but um <laughs> i think they should mic up the judges too mic up the judges in a way or something because i want to hear what they're saying more than what you were talking about with reggie miller and of course tonight we'll talk about tonight's game where you're just watching of course the ernie broadcast with charles and chuck and kenny yes um you have to i feel like mic up someone else you have the more enjoyment because a lot of like what reggie's saying and stuff it's just like it's not fake in a way but it's just like i gotta be loud i gotta be crazy about this and it doesn't really mean anything. Like that's what I get from him announcing games. So I don't. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. And then Iverson vlogs kind of puts the cherry on the top of uh, the dunk contest very eloquently. He says there was no 50s last night. Plain and simple. That's, that's there were. A, that, that's a if shame. they made the dunk the first time or the exactly. second time, maybe. But I mean, they weren't even making dunks. Like, I feel like anybody could just walked on the floor last night. And they'd be like, all right, you won. You won. Let's just get this over with. Like, <laughs> oh, this guy in a white T-shirt? Okay, he's tonight's dunk contest champion. <laughs> you know, and again, maybe you just go ahead and say, you know what? Let's just make the three-point contest the culmination of this. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, and, and men can Kenny says, dump the gun to- contest at a game of horse, please. A game of horse would be enjoyable. I think they did it once. They did it in uh, Phoenix. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the only challenge with that is like, there's just a lot of downtime in between, you know, but if, again, if you, that's, that'd be more fun than the dunk contest that we witnessed last night. So, uh, now we turn to the all-star game team. LeBron defeats team Durant 163 to 160, uh, typical all-star game. You know, LeBron's team was up 47 to 45 after the first Durant's team scored 49 in the second quarter uh, to the LeBron's 46. They both tied for 45 in the third. And then ultimately due to the Kobe Bryant rule, if you score 24 points, uh, whatever the final of the leader is after three plus 24 is the goal. Uh, Team LeBron scored 25 in the fourth to defeat team Durant. Matthew, did you find yourself rooting for one team either way? Uh, yeah, I was rooting for uh, Team Durant after I realized, you know, it's just Devin Booker. I picked LeBron's team to win mm-hmm. um, because, of course, he's won every year and I liked his team better. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So the more I went towards the end of the game and I kind of figured these teams, you know, you you win one quarter, then the other team wins another quarter. Yep. And then they split in the end. I think that's pretty planned out. It makes sense to split the charities. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. I, it just it, Unless they did that by accident, but it worked out perfect. Um, but I was rooting for Booker. I mean, I even... His team tonight, they did better than I thought. And he had a chance, of course, in the beginning of the game to win MVP, but then Steph went off. So Yes, and, and Steph did win the Kobe Bryant MVP award, Yeah, uh, fit, fit, finishing with a total of 50 fucking points. Just ridiculous. 16 of 27 from yeah. beyond the arc. But yeah, I mean, there was a point now. Now, first, did you see before the game began how they were gambling? They were playing cards yes. in the back. Yeah, And Devin Booker's sitting right there. I mean, D-Book was in that. He had some of those hundos because there were hundos on the table. And yeah, it was like and him also, and Joel Embiid. 
<laughs> that's why they were saying that uh, Michael Jordan made an appearance because they saw that they were, <laughs> they were playing a card game in the locker room. I saw that tweet. And, and he took had, that like, personally. And he was running to the, to the arena. Play he's, with like, he's like oh shit they're gambling hundos here i don't have yeah. to throw <laughs> throw a quarter up. against the wall to try to make some money off of a security guard i'll be there uh but yeah I, you know there at one point midway through the second quarter devin booker uh was seven for ten from the field was leading all scores with 16 points he ends with a total of 20 points coming off of the bench he had six rebounds uh four steals two assists and five turnovers, nine for 19 for Devin Booker. And, and the thing that was the backbreaker for me and uh, what could have helped him potentially win an MVP or have a shot at it was the fact that he was only two for nine from beyond the arc. And that was kind of the, yeah. the kicker. You know, he makes some of those shots. Obviously, he gets a lot more pub. But, you know, taking that away, there's one thing that I took from this game, uh, especially from just a, a league respect level standpoint. You know, Devin Booker played the most points coming in off the bench. He played 30 points, or I'm sorry, 30 minutes, which was the most of any bench player on both teams. Andrew Wiggins got the start for Team Durant. He played a total of 15 minutes. I think that just goes to show you. And Draymond Green was interviewing uh, Devin Booker during the game. You know, for those of you who watched the game on TNT, I'm sorry. I didn't spend one moment with Reggie Miller more than I had to. Nope. The fact that they had Chuck, Kenny, and Shaq, and, and Ernie Johnson calling the game on TBS, I was like, oh, shit, and I went right there. And then they had Draymond Green as the sideline reporter, uh, which is great, and he was talking to Devin Booker, and, and he even said, he's like, you should be starting, man. Uh, what do you think of you know Devin Booker's performance tonight, how he had as many minutes as he did, uh, and what his interview with Draymond Green sounded like? Well, I mean, coming into the game, you kind of figured he'd get more minutes than being a bench player just because he should have been a starter. And everybody thinks that. And of course, Booker's never going to say anything about it until he actually earns it himself. You know, he earns everything the right way where he fights for it, keeps quiet. The next year, he'll probably be a starter. That's just how it works out. It's like he's already a three time all star. I just remember the times where we'd be like, he didn't make the all star team again. It just seemed yes. like yesterday. Now he's already been a three time all star. So it comes quickly for him because he works so hard. Uh, but the interview was awesome. I think what Drake was doing him on with that broadcast is perfect dude i i love what he does i love how he's on the sideline non-stop with these players of course it's only something you could do during the all-star game mm -hmm. um but his interview with booker i like how booker when he was asked a question about starting like hey you should have started he kind of switched it around on on draymond like hey congrats on being yes. the broadcaster and a player and uh see you in the western conference finals kind of thing you know what i mean like and he booker even had the thing at the 50 or the 75 75th anniversary halftime yeah, show you talk. where he was talking so there was a lot of booker you saw and of course it's just you knew he would be playing with the in the final minutes in clutch time because he is clutch his team is clutch he's gonna have to be he's gonna have to play those minutes it just makes sense right um but it was a good night from him dude i think he got a lot of bounces too a lot of friendly bounces off the front yes. of the rim to go in and he was just efficient in the first quarter and second quarter. It was, you know, first off with the, the Draymond Green thing, you're spot on. Like, I can't stand Draymond on the court, but man, I like him on the sidelines. He is good. Dude. He's good. And he's going to be good for never you know, the next up. 20 years. No. And Every stays... question. And he knows the players so well to where he can go deep into like a really good, like when he was interviewing Jimmy Butler, he's like playing your position again. Like, how does that feel? Like, I don't think anybody would ask stuff like that as a yeah. sideline reporter. Yeah, he just he's so in tune with the game. He's like Tony Romo was that first year with CBS, mm -hmm. and then he sucked after that. So you know, maybe <laughs> maybe Draymond, you know, hopefully, hopefully he keeps it, you know, lockstep and, and yeah. keeps this career going on the sideline for TNT because I think he's fantastic at it. But I thought it was really interesting because the first question he asked him is like, "Are you guys going to win the the West again?" 
And you could see Booker just thinking because he took his time on that one. He's like, I've got to word word this just the right way. Because obviously he's talking to Draymond Green, who plays for the team that's trying to catch Phoenix at you know six and a half games back. You know, and he very eloquently and strategically stated that they're they gotta win round one first. And then, you know, he's like, We gotta get the number one seed, and then we gotta win the first round, and we go from there. And I'm like, Thank you, Booker. Thank you know, and then he went into the the uh congratulatory you know, what you're doing right now is historic kind of thing to, to Devin Booker. But, you know, you mentioned also at halftime how when they had the 75 greatest players standing up there, you got Devin Booker, you know, getting his little kind of speech in there as they had four different players talk ended by Luca, who I couldn't understand what he was saying. And I think that when you take that, you take the fact that uh, he had, you know, as Jordan Ellsworth says in the chat, he says book was on the murals on the city too. you know, yeah. game recognizes game. and Everybody knows Devin Booker is a budding superstar. He's on the precipice of really taking that next step. And if they can go out and win a championship next year, you know, he's really going to be propelled into kind of the NBA spotlight and the guy that they want to promote, you know, kind of a clean cut guy who just puts his head down, gets the job done, does things the right way, stays in the same city, uh, no drama with him. And, you know, you take that from the media side of the NBA, you take the fact that the players respect him, always have. He's always one of the first or second pick. Well, always. But in this, the two opportunities where they could pick him as a reserve, he's one of the first two or three players taken off the board, if you will. And then you see that, you know, the the trust from Eric Spolstra tonight, who was the coach of Team Durant, to have him out there in those big minutes, uh, know that he is somebody who not only can make shots, but also, you know, is a sneaky rebounder. And probably the most entertaining thing for me on the whole evening is he's the one guy I felt like consistently was at least trying to play defense. He was sneaking, you know, after a make he'd sneak and try to steal the ball. Uh, there was a play where he, uh, I, I forget who was going to the hole. Um, I think I had it in my notes. Uh, uh, John Morant. He had John, John Morant was going to the hole and, you know, Booker was right there just being pesky. Everyone's dunking and do all these crazy things. Then John Morant goes down and like Devin Booker, like cuts him off, you know? Uh, I just I think that he really is he's we, it, it's so fun to see him grow because we've watched him for all these years and now he's starting to get some of that national pub. Uh, I just thought it was really a fun moment overall tonight for book. Yeah, he's basically he was like the Giannis for Team Durant. Like he was the guy that was playing like I feel like he was playing defense, but he's like, how much defense can I play? Because in the pregame interview, he was talking about how they want to win and how it can be very competitive. But I remember after the first time they'd done this, where they did like the 24 points after, and it was really competitive at the end. I remember Booker did say like, Hey, this probably will never happen again. But then the pregame interview, he's like, Oh, it's going to be competitive. So you kind yeah. of expected that, but not so early in the game. So I think he was kind of like, I don't know how hard I should go, but then Giannis just comes out. He's like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to block a shot. I'm going to steal the ball. He stole one from Booker tonight. Yes. So Booker probably wanted to be that way, but kind of just held back a little bit, man, a little bit. And, uh, it's, it's fine because you you know what happened to CP3. We don't want any kind of freak accidents yes, at all. Amen. You know, if it's going to be an accident, let it happen in the regular season. Yep. Uh, two favorite moments of the night for me relative to Devin Booker. Sonia points out one. Uh, that one-handed dunk by Book was nice. That was a. I was like, was that fucking Devin Booker? Like I couldn't believe he got, you, right? he, he got up that high. I, that was nice. And when for the two minutes that CP3 was in the game, seeing Devin Booker kind of fake do the rip through on him was yeah. uh i mean i was laughing out loud at that one i mean that's just those are the moments that make 
the all-star game so special. And again, the, the Phoenix Suns have been void of all-stars for so long. You know, outside of CP3 and Devin Booker these past two years, it hasn't been since 2010 since we had anybody in the game. And to see that little camaraderie going on, to see the respect that Devin Booker's receiving from his peers, that's that's why we're spending so much time on this podcast. You have to appreciate these moments because they're fun. Those are the things that everyone who's, who's uh, watching along live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you're a Suns fan and you watch the game, those are the moments that you couldn't wait for. And there was a great picture. I retweeted it. So if you want to check out uh, at Darth Void on Twitter, I retweeted it. it was, you know, a play where Devin Booker is being guarded by Chris Paul. And it's just like, those are the special moments. That's what makes All-Star Weekend as special it is to see those moments. It is. And uh, you never know. Just like when they always say, like, uh, don't ever. I think Kevin O'Connor always says, like, uh, something about LeBron James about, like, how don't, don't, uh, what does he say? He's like, just take, don't take, um, I don't know. He's just basically fuck? saying, don't take, <laughs> don't take fuck LeBron. No, you don't he's take saying fuck from anybody. Basically, he just says like, appreciate this time with LeBron before it's over. You know what I mean? Yes. And not saying this is anywhere close to being over for Phoenix, unless something just tragic happens. This is going to be a long, a long thing, right? About five or six years. I really think this franchise is going to be in the right direction. Uh, my top two things from tonight's game though, uh, was actually, I really liked the broadcast, but I loved it when Steph Curry, was going off and the broadcast was just silent. Like the the they just had the crowd noise, Steph Curry going crazy. I thought that was really cool. And I think they should have more of that. Uh and then the other one was when they were <laughs> when Shaq was talking about going to school and uh getting C's, I knew Chuck would say something about <laughs> oh, that. Yeah. And he never oh, let yeah. off and that was my favorite part. So I just wanted to bring those two things up because I thought that just carried the game. That was hilarious. I love the banter back and forth all game well, long. And, and, Especially and a game that doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. It's a game that doesn't matter, and you have an opportunity to see these guys actually, you know, do a broadcast. They're always the halftime entertainment. They're not the the normal entertainment. So, I mean, it was just, it was really fun to watch. And yeah, the C thing, I mean, they carried that all day long. And it was funny because, you know, if you watch any of the pregame show, how humble Shaq has been over these past two days. He did the same thing, you know, two nights ago, three or one night ago, whatever. I mean, he's just so unbelievably humble just to be mentioned with these guys and then yeah him, the banter between him and and uh charles barkley is just priceless and to see it during the game you know he's eating stuff and then they show they show them and shaq's taking a drink and like the cup looks like this big in his hand <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's, it's shit like that that again that, yeah. that was super fun so mm-hmm. uh obviously you know it was it was a quality uh all-star game as as it typically is you know i i really enjoy watching the all-star game uh but as Suns fans, we can't have nice thing. We or nice things right before, literally right before the game starts is when you know they, they kick it to uh, the sideline reporter, and she brings up the fact that Chris Paul will be out. He has a fractured thumb, a fractured hand, essentially. Uh, you know, it's a right thumb avulsion fracture. So with that, he's reported to miss six to eight weeks. Uh, Matthew, uh, initial thoughts on this, you know, obviously I did a, uh, jam session short yesterday because they finally had some news when, you know, for Brian Windhorst, he had a, he had a piece saying that, and, and CP was very vague. And once I heard the vagueness, I knew that it wasn't necessarily going to be a good progno- prognosis. 
What's your initial reaction to the news that the Suns could be without CP3 for six to eight weeks? Um, I wasn't really surprised, and I wasn't really too down on myself or upset. I mean, down on myself, how selfish, right? Some guys hurt, and I'm just worried about myself and that the Suns team is winning. Um, I I honestly think that it can go a different, couple different ways. The way I first thought about it was okay, four weeks. That would actually be kind of good rest-wise for him and going to the playoffs. You know, I think the Suns team has a lot of depth. Obviously, there's options we'll probably talk about if there's a Goran Dragic or even mm-hmm. the Eric Gordon pickup. Eric Gordon hopefully will be a buyout guy that can be picked up by the Suns still, even though it's not really been talked about. Um, so that's that's a thing you can look forward to. Also, Cameron Payne's coming back. After the All-Star break, he should be ready for the first game. Him and Shamit, which I don't know. I don't really care. I don't want to talk, waste time talking about him right now. Yeah. But Cameron Payne can be a guy that can fill the spot for him for the time being. It does suck, but it's a thing where we always talked about the rest and all that. And this injury was really a freak accident. It had nothing to do with him having to rest these games. You know, a lot of people I see are saying, like, see, I told you guys have to play him like the 30 to 40 minutes or 40 minutes a night. It had nothing to do with that, I don't think. I think he would have been, of course, a little bit more tired towards I'm the I'm glad playoffs. you said this. I'm glad you said this. Yeah, and honestly, if he's going to miss time, miss it right now, right? He'll be back. If he has a week with the team for the playoffs, it's enough to really get his feet underneath him and get ready for the playoffs. And I think we just have the team that can, you know, survive this. And I think Devin Booker really has an opportunity here to show how good he is and how much better he is this season. And it's an MVP case too. I know that's like the first thing I thought about was the whole Devin Booker MVP thing, because I really think with him and this team, and we are a team, honestly, that wins these games is Chris Paul, of course, but a lot of these guys are out there. They're very clutch. They, they help Chris Paul just as much as he helps them really nowadays. So I think this team is prepared for something like this for the next four to six weeks. And that might be the whole season, but that's just the way it is. And luckily it happened right now. I'll tell you this, Suns fans, and and you know, I guess I'll guess I'll start with this. It's shitty news. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. It's not the news you wanted to hear in any way, shape, or form. It sucks. Your guy who leads your team in usage rate is now going to be out for you know potentially the rest of the season. You know, regular season that is six to eight weeks. The playoffs are in seven weeks. Six to eight's right in the middle of that, you know? So it's scary shit. It sucks. So, you know, it, it, it's okay to be frustrated. It, it, it's okay to wonder what's next. But once you absorb that information, you need to logically uh, cough. <coughs> Sorry, I had to cough. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and start thinking again logically. You know, I was going to ask you that question. I have it in my notes for the pod is, you know, I see plenty of talk of how Monty has used CP3 too much this season. And this is the result. And it's just not, it's a, it's a freak injury. It's not, this isn't something like he pulled a hamstring because he's playing too much. He threw the ball in trying to aggressively make a play, hit his thumb, you know, in in a freak accident. It's the same thing with like AD going down. I know that AD can feel like he's made of glass, but like when he came down, he tweaked his ankle. That guess what? You jump in this game, you throw the ball in this game. So it's an unfortunate 110%. But at the same time, it you know, it is what it is. This team is we're really going to as you mentioned, there's there's a ton of opportunity now for this team. There's a ton of opportunity for Devin Booker. Uh John Gambadoro, I believe reported that both Landry Shamit and Campaign will be back after the All-Star break. Well, guess what? Next Thursday, 
our depth increases. So if it's campaign leading the charge, followed by Aaron Holiday or Alfred Payton in any way, shape, or form, I mean, you, we just got to hope that that works well enough for this team. Obviously, the thing that I that worries me the most is who this team becomes in clutch time. We talk about it time and time again, how unbelievably effective they are because they have a two-headed guard monster in both CP3 and Devin Booker. And having just Devin Booker could negate some of that effectiveness and they could come back down to earth in those clutch time moments because right now, percentage-wise, they're the best team in NBA history, I believe, in clutch time moments. You know, 24 out of 27 games in clutch time, they've won. And this goes back to like 1986. I think that's when they started tracking that statistic. You know, so it really... You know, it opens opportunity for campaign. It opens opportunity for Landry Shamit to you know to show up and show out. It also brings up the conversations of the buyout market. You know, and I saw uh, somebody on Twitter was talking about it's like, well, listen, you know, we don't have any more roster spots, and if we were to pursue Goran Dragic or uh, Dragic or Eric Gordon, if he gets bought out in Houston, if we were to pursue any of these players, obviously we would have to drop somebody, and you wouldn't drop Alfred Payton because you just got yourself into you know depth problem at the guard position mm -hmm. i think the exact opposite i think you drop a guard for a guard and you it's a better guard so you know if Dragic becomes available if gordon becomes available i think that they can now turn their eyes to phoenix and go oh i can not only play but i can contribute there right yeah yeah and uh we can talk about guards in the depth all day too i just honestly think like sony capitalized on this sony lovato glad we got oh that's actually the wrong one there hold on one second she was talking about uh, DA, where it goes. Yes, DA is going to have to step up big time. And that's where I feel like a lot of people aren't focusing on. DA has to be a motherfucker every night. Like he yep. has to come out and just seriously give it his all every night. No more, you know, like lackadaisical kind of DA where you get your feel of the game. You have to come in. You have to make an impact right away because they have to rely on him so much now. And I think he can get it done. I'm really excited. I know this sucks with Chris Paul, but I'm really excited to see, of course, Devin Booker's response to the rest of the team, but also DA's, dude, because DA can really start averaging that 25 and 14 every night if he wants. Going, I, I know they're just stats and who cares, but 25 and 14, he should be that guy to finish out the season. I don't care who he's playing against. I don't care what the game plan is. This guy has to be like maybe the number one option. I mean, Booker, of course, right? But I think at times, DA can be that guy if you need to rely on him. So he should be. And I'm excited to see that. Yeah, no, me too. I think the challenge is going to be is this team is very guard-centric with their offense. And a byproduct of that is it opens up the bigs. And it's going to be hard to truly change your offensive approach to incorporate the bigs the majority of the time. But as you said, Matthew, there's going to be times. There's going to be stretches in these games where they're going to have to focus on D.A. more and get him the ball and let him cook. And, you know, we've seen his game grow a ton, I feel, just in this year alone. The confidence he has in his step back, the confidence he has in his turnaround, and, you know, his nine-footers, they're really effective for him now. So, you know, as you mentioned, it's time for him to step up and, and you know, show out for this team. It's also you know, comforting to know that if the Phoenix Suns lost every game from here on out, they'd still be in the play in game. So it's like, we will be in the playoffs. So, you know, yeah. but again, that's, you know, they're 48 and 10, they have a six and a half game lead. And now they have potentially six to eight weeks without CP three. The goal now is to, even if they play 500 basketball, they could still potentially end with the, the number one seed because the Warriors have their own problems too. Uh, every other team has their own problems too. So, yeah. you know, the other nice thing, and I wouldn't say there's nothing nice about this, but I will say, 
Uh, everyone else can go fuck themselves for saying that the Suns in any way, shape, or form have had it easy. You know, even when Bill Simmons was talking about how the Suns are a favorite, whoever he was talking to with on that podcast is like, well, you know, CP3 hasn't missed a game and Booker's missed a handful. It's like, yeah, yeah what about Aiden, uh, uh, Bossman? Yeah, I mean, he didn't give the Suns any credit for all the injuries that we're, we've navigated and continue to navigate. So, you know, this will even fortify that a little bit more. Uh, Forcemaster99 in the chat says, Flex said injury isn't as bad, more like four to six weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. Iverson vlogs, same thing. Flex put out an interesting tweet about 10 to 15 minutes ago. Uh, let's hope something like the, uh, that the doctor can help CP3. I'll actually read that tweet from Flex from Jersey, our good buddy. He says, Dr. Steve Shin is the best hand specialist in the business. That's CP3's hand doctor who he's been working with for years. Dr. Shin also helped Drew Brees return from thumb injury in five weeks with the same six to eight week timeline. Um, you know, I've talked to Flex offline and, you know, it's kind of along the same thing. He was saying, he was telling me about four to six weeks uh, is potentially what this could be. Obviously, they're going to say six to eight just to be completely sure. I mean, CP3 is a little bit older, so these injuries are a little bit lingering. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then another tweet I wanted to bring up. This is from at Ton Orsborn, Orsborn on Twitter. He said, a nice moment in the interview room when Devin Booker came in to hug Monty Williams. Because obviously Monty Williams won, his team won the All-Star game. Uh, Monty said he didn't have to do that. Uh, he, Booker told him he loved him. And he says, that's why we're going to be all right with Chris Paul injured. Because of the way that this team is. We can't, again, we can be frustrated with what's going on. But we can't negate the culture that this team is. And how they've operated throughout the season. How Devin Booker is a killer. How DA has to step up, obviously. But how we've also added some depth in the position that we're currently hampered in. So, again, am I frustrated? Yes. Am I like shit, typical Suns. You know, it's like nothing could be easy. Nothing could be easy for the Suns. I get it. But at the same time, you take a step back and you look at who this team is, how they operate, and the lead they currently have in the Western Conference. And don't get me wrong, Matthew. You and I are going to come on here, and there's going to be some losses along the way, and we're going to pick apart some of the operations that we see because that's what we do. We go, we're, you know, we're, we're post-game podcasters. We break down what we see night to night, and we, you know, we'll talk about the moments that we obviously miss CP3. But at the end of the day, if we can hold on to that that number one seed, it's a blessing in disguise because all you're going to do is grant confidence to players who will, you will need come playoff time. Yeah, I and mean, I think Booker, like what Monty's saying, you know, because we have him, it's just I think I talked about this year, like the the growth he's had as a leader, really on the court. Um, this will be another opportunity, really. And if even if they go, okay, so it's funny because the Lakers really had the Suns where they wanted, right? Yeah, exactly where they wanted them. So it'd be funny if the Suns fall to the play in tournaments. Like, Lakers, like, oh shit, what are we going to do now? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's messed up their whole plan. Sorry, Lakers. Well, that's not going to happen. This team, their schedule is pretty easy going out, too. And it's just like these players, too, the minutes that they're going to play, it's going to be 40 minutes a night, probably for the most, most of these guys. And but they're young. It shouldn't matter, really. I mean, the one guy we always worried about was Chris Paul. And this had nothing to do with that. But I'm just saying, mm -hmm. if we're going to have to play a lot of minutes to win these games, because it shows like in the early season how these games matter. You know, every game fucking matters because you never know what's going to happen. You have to get every win yet you can because of things like this. Right. That's so they it, put Eddie themselves Johnson really, tweeted that out. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. And he, yeah. they put themselves into a really good position here, man. And I mean, it's so weird to have such a negative impact on the, the podcast, the Suns fans, like the whole franchise as a whole. But it's it's kind of okay because the way this organization is being held and the way that they go about things 
and also just the depth, really. So we're in a position still to be a number one seed by the end of all of it. Absolutely. And as more 271982 says, we didn't have CP3 still navigated the bubble. Come on now. We got this. True. Actually, yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and Carlos Miramon says, uh, get Cam Johnson 10 plus shots a game. Yeah. I mean, again, this is good. Yeah. You give Cam whatever you want. You know, again, (laughs) we've lost our biggest playmaker. It sucks. But there's a lot of really good players left on this team. There's a lot of positivity. There's a lot of team culture. There's a lot of we, not me on this team. And I'm confident that, yeah, we're going to lose some games along the way. Don't lose your shit, Suns fans. Now, if we if we go on like a 10-game losing streak, per, you are permitted to lose your shit, okay? But there's only 24 games left in the season. So let CP3 get healthy. Let him come back just in time for the playoffs. You know, let him use that first round as an opportunity to get his sea legs back, if you will. And I don't care if it goes six games against whoever we're playing, if it allows him an opportunity to get his sea legs back. Let's go out and win this fucking championship. You know, champions adjust. And this is going to be a big adjustment for the Phoenix Suns. But this is a team and a franchise that is capable of adjusting. So, yeah, be, be frustrated. Be upset. But go forth and know that this team are going to be champions because they will adjust. Yeah, and... Oh, sorry, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, so what I was going to say was basically, fuck. All right, wait, way to ruin that, Matthew. What a good statement by you. You know, got you got the whole crowd behind you and all that. Oh, actually, I was going to say. So it, the whole Devin Booker MVP thing, <laughs> I came back to my mind. Uh, that's what happens when I have one beer. Like, just my brain turns a mush. Um, Booker, if he's like on an MVP, you know, if he's in the middle of the race. That would be great, but I feel like this team plays as like a team to where I think if Booker comes out and tries to be the man, I feel like that might hurt this team, but I don't think he's going to do that. So the whole MVP race thing where he might be involved towards the end, I don't think it's likely because I don't think his numbers or like his play will get any better because Chris Paul is gone. I think they'll still play as a team. There'll be a couple guys that step up and make up the points and assists that Chris Paul left behind, I think. And that's the key is, you know, we probably will see a lot more point book. So his numbers aren't going to be through the roof when it comes to scoring. You might see his assist totals uh, grow. And the hope, again, you know, this is why I I wrote that piece about Aaron Holiday. He's much more uh, akin to be a playmaker. You know, he's Mm -hmm. in the, what I I think it was like the 83rd percentile of playmakers per B-ball index. You need that moving forward. You need somebody to help making plays. So, I mean, obviously much more to come on this topic as we navigate the post-game shows. Uh, But thank you, Suns fans, for hanging out with us after this All-Star game. Again, Team LeBron. Team LeBron's undefeated, by the way. He has not, ever since they've done this thing, I think he's 4 or 5-0. Like, good on him. And he hits the game winner in Cleveland. I'm surprised he wasn't like, Cleveland, this was for you! (laughs) You know, doing his his, uh, scripted speech. But... Um, obviously we'll be coming to you live again after the next post game, which is on Thursday, unless anything crazy pops up that we need to talk about in a jam session short. Uh, but that's all I got for this evening, Matthew. So again, jamsters, make sure you subscribe, rate and review. You can go ahead and hit that thumbs up button while you're here on YouTube. And if you are listening to the pod, please leave us a five-star review. If you're on, if you're on Apple podcasts, if you're on Spotify, just leave us a five-star, uh, until Thursday, everyone just, just breathe. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And go home and love your family. That too.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.